Welcome back to the Lynx Magazine Golf Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Graylin Loomis. Ian Kreitzer, host number two. How's it going? Doing fine. Doing fine. Good. Um, today, we're addressing something that's been in the back of our heads for a long time. Um, both Ian and I are uh, active on social media. I'd say Ian even more so. Uh, Maybe a little bit too much at times. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the issue at hand here is social media can be an absolutely amazing resource. Uh, you know, you can tap into an enormous knowledge base. At the same time, there's kind of this mob effect on social media. It's intimidating. It can be intimidating. Yeah. Um, there are kind of, I, there's like the in crowd, the cool crowd, and maybe the not so cool crowd. I mean, it's not as neat and tidy as that, but there are the the cool people, the quote unquote woke people, <laughs> to, to use uh, terms of the day. Um, but uh, if you ask a question that could be perceived as you know ignorant or just how could you not know that or um, kind of make right. yourself out as as seeming like you don't really know, I I don't know what's right or wrong. The mob can kind of pile on you, and I—I I mean, Ian, tell us about this. Kind of started when we saw a conversation about golf towels. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, yes, golf towels. How how stupid could this be? But tell us, tell us what we saw, and then this was weeks ago, and it sparked a couple ideas. Yeah, so there's the whole uh, uh, th- mindset that uh, towels, golf towels that you clip onto your bag with the uh, little carabiner thing. Mm-hmm. Are you should not have those on your back. According to the cool, the cool crowd and whatever, you should just drape a regular, um, uh, regular white towel, large size, large size golf towel over your clubs or through one of the straps in your bag. Um, Which I hadn't before, probably two years ago. I had no idea. I I was proudly walking around with like with clip-on towels, making a you know seemingly make a fool of myself. But I (laughs) see, I didn't know, and the in crowd kind of was like. Oh, you have clip-on towels like it, that's yeah. You have no idea, and I and I consider myself a you know pretty avid golfer, and, and and to to be perfectly clear here, there really is no difference between a clip-on towel and a drape no. style where you just put it over your clubs. It is purely just people think it's cool. I think some of this comes back to. Do you remember back in your junior golf days? And I, I know you didn't play like the tournament right. circuit growing up. But if you played AJGA events, which is kind of like the primo, yeah. premium level junior tours, you got an AJGA towel at every event. Right. And it was that large size mm-hmm. towel, and With you the, draped it over yeah. your clubs. The best players played in AJGA events. Uh-huh. And I think it just translated that the best players then draped the, the towel over we're going way down this line and probably too far, but the point is someone asked a question on social media saying, um, I, I think they said, what's the big deal? Like, why don't you guys, it was a specific company, and they said, why don't you guys sell, um, like, yeah. towels that clip That's onto right. a bag? Yeah. At which point, one of the representatives of the company um, replied with, like, look at this guy. And then everybody piled on, like, yeah. are you an idiot? Are you stupid? Well, which I mean, that's and that's kind of a tough thing with social media too. It's an intimidating place, and that's what we're kind of here to, you know. So today, yeah, yeah today what we're trying to do is uh, we are answering the questions that um, you might be embarrassed to ask on social media, or might even be embarrassed to ask 
buddies. Um, buddies or even your head pros. And what's really interesting is I get a ton of questions about Scottish golf trips yeah. where people will email me and say, hey, I know this is a dumb question. And then they'll go on or I'll get a direct message and say, hey, I didn't want to tweet this publicly. Um and then they'll go on and ask yeah. the question just because I've kind of made it clear like, hey, you know, I'm happy to answer questions and, and I'm not going to call you an idiot if, if you no. don't know something. So we solicited questions on social media and to friends um, saying, hey, guys, what questions are you embarrassed to ask that you um, don't want to pose on social media kind of for fear of being mobbed by, um, you know, everybody? Yeah. Um, and we're going to answer them anonymously on a podcast. Now, I, we have a big selection of questions today. It was actually interesting. I mean, quite a few of these things have come up. Um, but if you have some that we don't address today, send them to us. Either direct message us. Uh, we're at Links Magazine all over social media. Or email it to us at letters at linksmagazine.com. And uh, we'll address those questions. So without further ado, Ian, what's your first question? Um, again, we're not naming the people who suggested these, uh, and we'll just kind of give them quick answers and, and move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, so the first question that uh, we have, should I be embarrassed to ask to walk or ride, depending on you know if, if you get into the pro shop and if it seems like there's a lot of carts and everyone's, everyone's riding or if everyone's walking and vice versa? I, I think that applies to a bunch of places, but also um, particularly if you're going to play like a private club yeah, and you don't really know what to do, whether you follow the member's lead, it, you know, if he's riding and you really wanted to walk or vice versa or yeah. say you have a health problem, if you're comfortable with the member, of course, you can just ask. Request, yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be a little intimidating. Um, Especially it, if it's your first time there and you're... You're sitting there in the pro shop like, ooh, I don't really want to walk today. Um, it looks like everyone's walking. Should I ask for a cart? You know, it, it's yeah. just... A, long story short, and this is going to be a theme um, of a bunch of the answers today, don't be afraid to ask questions to the people that are either hosting you there or in the case of a resort, ask the people in the pro shop. Yeah, What you perceive as an embarrassing question will actually save you embarrassment yeah. if you get an answer for it. So don't be afraid to ask. I'll give a quick example, and then I'll ask Ian to give another example um, that kind of goes back to a, a podcast we recorded um, earlier this season. I was at um, Pebble Beach for work, my first ever visit to Pebble Beach. And um, it was a work trip, so fortunately, uh, you know, Lynx was covering a lot of my costs, but... I, I didn't want to take a caddy. A, a caddy at Pebble is like 180 bucks or something. I mean, yeah. it's really crazy. Added on to an already added $500 on to around 525 bucks. 525, yeah. So um, I just they said I walked up and they said, "Are you riding or taking a caddy?" Mm -hmm. As in, those are your two options. And I really wanted to walk, um, but I didn't want to take a caddy. Now, rather than just kind of saying uh, riding. I said, hey, would you guys actually mind if I walk without a caddy? And they they kind of paused and said, of course. Yeah, nobody ever asked that. Uh, you know, if you want to. Go for uh, it. Go for it. Yeah. It was so funny. I mean, they reacted like, 
oh yeah, I guess that is an option. Of course you can. Yeah. And and they said nobody ever asked that, um, which is crazy. So it wasn't an uncomfortable question to ask, but you know you're kind of you're there. There's people around. And they're loading your bag. I think they had actually picked up my bag and like set it on a cart. Yeah. Um, I was like, actually, sorry, no, I'd rather walk. Uh, just ask. Um, generally speaking, at a resort, um, you have the option. But the um, example I wanted you to talk about, Ian, is uh, Pinehurst Number Two. Oh and, yeah. And that kind of can speak a little bit to some of these other options. But what's the deal at Pinehurst Number Two? So Pinehurst Number Two, you can you can take a cart, you can take a caddy, um, kind of similarly to to Pebble. But um, if you take a cart you have to stay on the cart paths, um, which is kind of kind of tough, and you do just as much walking, essentially, anyway. Um, but you can also walk with a four caddy. And so the last time I, I played it, we, we walked uh, with a four caddy, uh, had our own bags, and he just kind of walked alongside us. And he goes, wait, you guys are just going to walk your bags and just have me walk alongside and not carry anything? And we're like, yep. yep. <laughs> and he goes, all right, easy day then. You know, yeah. so he, yeah. A, and see, there they won't let you walk without a caddy. Correct. Um, yeah. Sorry, I should pla- specify yeah, that. Yeah, other places say if you walk, you have to take a caddy. Right. So really, there's no easy answer. It is just ask in the pro shop. And and you'll see this come up again. Just ask. Yeah. Um, moving on to... I, I have one or, more thing on that, okay, actually. Go ahead. Uh, the common theme before we move on um, with the asking questions, I can almost guarantee that whoever you're asking the question to in the shop, if it's the pro shop guy, your member, your host member, wherever you are, has gotten a much stupider, seemingly stupider <laughs> question uh, at some point. And so it's it's kind of a, a sense of confidence when I'm faced with like, ooh, this is kind of an uncomfortable question. Um, they're like, no, nah, just ask. It, get, just get over it and, and ask and you'll likely be rewarded and you'll kind of get to do what you want to do. So. A, yeah, a, along those lines, Many times when I'm at a place like this, I think, yeah, what? I'm paying a ton of money to be here. True, yeah. I'm paying for the right to ask all the stupid questions I want. Exactly. Yeah, no question is a dumb question. So we're jumping a little bit to Scotland here. Um, and, and I might actually hit two questions right now because they're, they're seemingly a little bit related. Okay. Uh, this question came in from Twitter. I'm heading to Scotland uh, this coming summer. My waistline slash barrel shape, uh, I think we can all relate a little bit uh, to that, doesn't work with the European style cold and rain gear, um, i.e. Galvin Green. For those who don't know, Galvin Green uh, makes some of the best uh, rain gear out yeah. there. There are other companies like Juice, KJUS, it's spelled, who make excellent stuff. It all comes out of Europe, and it doesn't fit the same as our stuff over here. An Correct. XL uh, there is not an XL here. Yeah. Um, who's the best of the rest that might work for guys like me? Um, I gave it some thought and um, basically said, I know that foot joy and zero restriction yeah. um, both offer pants up to 3XL. They offer jackets up to large sizes. Um, you really want to be comfortable, particularly if you're taking a trip like this, reader, over to Scotland. To Scotland, yeah. Like, do not be uncomfortable and like, you know, for and the sake of like having a logo on your shoulder. Right. Um, you want to be able to swing well. You're going to be spending plenty of time in that, potentially in the rain. Yeah. Um, 
So I would look at FootJoy, I would look at Galvin Green, or sorry, FootJoy, and I would look at uh, Zero, Zero Restriction. Restriction. If you want um, the same Gore-Tex, uh, you know, waterproof material that you find in Galvin Green, I know that um, Zero Restriction has a Gore-Tex line. Yeah. Um, but there are options for you out there. I've taken golf trips with some big guys in the past. Yeah. And... Um, I saw them wearing both foot joy and zero restriction. Well, there you go. Uh, but it's a very good question. And, you know, if you are thinking about Galvin Green or uh, Juice and you are a big guy um, or a, a big girl, um, just, you know, keep in mind that the XL in those pants um, isn't necessarily you know, the XL in your like sweatpants that you right. got from Target or Walmart or anything like exactly. that. Exactly. Okay. One other Scotland question. And we're going to loop back to Scotland. Yeah. Um, but uh, also about Scotland from the same reader. I don't drink. Um, I know my people, the Scots, uh, can drink their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's true. Um, yeah. And his question <laughs> was basically, is it? am I going to have to kind of be it will it be awkward in the pubs at night if i want to be there i want to soak in the atmosphere mm. want the experience but i'm not drinking and and i kind of relate to that i'm not a big drinker right and oftentimes like i don't feel like hanging out at a bar because yeah. uh, like i don't want to be you know pounding the drinks yeah um so plenty to think about there um what I would say is Scotland has very strict drink, uh, drunk driving laws. Right. Um, those have changed in the last five years to a point where now a single beer can put you right at or just over the limit, depending on how much you've had to eat as well and the right. time involved. So it's actually become much, much more common to have people in pubs who aren't drinking, uh, particularly if they're driving. Right. Um, but most pubs now have like non-alcoholic or very low alcohol content uh, beers on tap. Um, but even if you don't want to drink a non-alcoholic beer, drink a Diet Coke, drink yeah. a Coke or a lemonade. It's easy. Um, and, and no one's going to say anything. No one's going to say anything, I mean, barring, of course, you're going to come across some you know, rude guy who's drunk and might be like, hey, let me buy you a drink. And when you say no, you know, he comes back at you. But yeah. On the whole, somebody not drinking in a pub in Scotland, pretty common because it, yep. it often means they're, they've got to drive home. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I think that's a good point. Even even here in the in the tap rooms or men's grills, don't be ashamed to not to not yeah. drink. It's yeah. not you're not going to be ostracized. You're not going to be you know barring that one that one guy that yeah. may come up, but he's much more of a jerk than than he thinks. So. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, next question. <clears throat> okay, so this is one uh, also or from Instagram, actually. Um, should I feel uh, bad making resort caddies carry my heavy bag? And this is something that I've faced, too, especially when I first started traveling and feeling like, man, I feel like my bag is really heavy. Like, this guy's going to be carrying mine plus another guy's. Yeah. Um, what do you think? So... As a former resort caddy. <laughs> I, I, that's, why, yeah. that's why I said, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say do what you can to um, be considerate. So yeah. I would say if it's a bright blue sunny day and you're, um, you know, 0% chance of rain, take out the umbrella, take out the rain gear. Yeah. Um, you know, a, your, your caddy is sensitive to the weight of your bag. And depending on where you are and what club you're at or what resort you're visiting, 
um, there are kind of different styles with how the caddies deal with it. But right. um, what I would do is be considerate. Your caddy's going to understand if it's an overcast, misty day, if you have some layers in your bag. Yeah. Like, no question. Um, however, if you show up with a cart bag, and I'm talking like a PGA Tour bag. Like a staff bag. Like a yeah. staff bag with an umbrella and all your gear in it. Three dozen balls. And three like, dozen balls. Yeah, you're, you're going to get some looks. Um, yeah. So if you know you're taking a caddy, I would take a walking bag. Um, so that, that could just be you know your normal kind of ping hoofer style stand bag. That yep. could be a Sunday carry bag. It could be whatever you want. Uh, but I would not take a bag that is specifically designed for cart use. If you if you know you're taking if a caddy. you know you're taking a caddy, correct. So th- that's generally what I would say. Other places like Pebble is famous for their caddies taking your bag regardless of the style of your bag yeah. and moving all of your stuff into a Pebble Beach carry bag. Yeah. Um, and I know we've heard some stories from people who weren't very happy about their clubs being, you know, ripped out of their bags and, and moved over. Um, but more often than not, if you're considerate and you don't show up with three dozen balls, unless you need three dozen balls, in which case your caddy will be mad at you for other reasons. Yeah. It's going to be a long day for him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just be considerate, you know, yeah. and and as long as you're considerate, I, your caddy's going to be fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And that was something that before I knew the etiquette and whatever, I always felt like my, you know, walking from the car, even though my bag probably wasn't in actuality that heavy mm. walking from the car to the clubhouse or wherever to drop my bag off I was like man this this seems kind of heavy yeah. um, so be considerate but uh, just I think it's just best judgment there uh, honestly and I totally forgot about the pebble thing uh, when I was out there we were I was kind of watching people go off the first tee and I was like what are they doing with these bags oh yeah they're swapping they're everybody everything over, over. Yeah, yeah that's crazy all right, um, next question. So let's uh, let's stay on this caddy theme a little okay. bit. Um, this applies to many different um, questions we've had, but do I have to take a caddy, period? Now, that could be anywhere you go. Right. Um, and the, what I would say is, generally speaking, just ask. Ask yeah. your host member if it's a private club. Ask the pro shop when you check in. Do I have to take a caddy today? Yeah. Nobody wants to seem like the guy who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, but I promise you'll avoid later embarrassment um, if you're if you just ask. It, even better to ask ahead of time because you're gonna have to pay your caddy if right. you have to take a caddy, meaning you're gonna have to bring cash. No, very few clubhouses have ATMs. Very few have ATMs, if, if any at all. And I promise the embarrassment of not having cash to pay your caddy is more embarrassing than asking, do I have to take a caddy? Even if you have to call the club ahead of time or resort ahead of time. Yeah. Um, but just avoid that awkward situation, which admittedly I've been in. Oh, I have to. Where yeah. I showed up to a club, happy-go-lucky, I walked to the first tee, and there's a guy standing there in a caddy bib saying, oh, Graylin, I have your bag today. And, and I you think, have no cash in your I've pocket. I've got $8. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I mean, it, I've been there. I've done that. Um, you and me both. And, and it's something you want to avoid. Along those lines, what's the caddy rate? Um, how do I find out the caddy rate? Right. Again, I would ask. I you could ask the caddy, <laughs> and depending on your caddy, you might get some uh, ten thousand yeah, dollars. Ten thousand yeah. dollars. 
you might get some different answers. I would ask in the pro shop. They'll give you the base rate and they'll give you the suggested gratuity. Yeah, and it, it, I think uh, no, I know for a fact actually that Pinehurst has a little little stand because I used to work in that shop um, with the suggested gratuity and the caddy rates uh, and four caddy rates, like for a little card, or like something. a little card, like yeah. on the sitting on the counter, um, uh, right right in the pro shop. So they're not they're not scared to tell you what it is. You just kind of have to ask or kind of seek it out. Yep. So yep, and. I would say much better to ask than finish the round and be in a situation where you're fumbling with your wallet, yeah. the, the caddy's sitting there, and you say, hey, how much do I owe you? Yeah. You know, it, it's, and then you get in these weird situations where a caddy will say, whatever you think is fair. Uh, you know, and then you're like, yeah. oh my, hey, is that $60? Is that $100? Is that $120? Right. This is awkward. And, and some clubs too uh, will have a base rate that will be put on the members, um, the members account, and then you'll have an, an added gratuity. gratuity, whichever. So like it might be $60 put on the members account and they're like, okay, I'll take care of that. But then what do you tip? It's all kind of up to judgment there. And mm. it's kind of this awkward dance of what do I need to pay for? What do I not? It's so just, I think being clear with the host member or the resort staff is yeah. the is the best practice there. Agreed. A, along those lines, and they, this is getting out of kind of resorts, but it still stays within uh, golf travel. Um, questions about private clubs. I mm-hmm. get these a lot. Um, what should I do if I arrive at a private club ahead of a member or separately from the member. Yeah. And I think anyone who's played uh, some nice golf courses where they were a guest runs into this. Oh, yeah. Um, You arrive, you either go up to the bag stand or worse, there is no bag stand, and you kind of sit there thinking, one, I look out of place, I feel out of place, Mm -hmm. I don't know where to go right now. If it's a really private club... Am I going to stumble into some area I'm not allowed to go? Right. Um, and it, w- what I would say is, here's my uh, my kind of strategy mm-hmm. if I'm going to a private club. I park. I um, don't put on my shoes in the parking lot. Never put your shoes on in the parking nope. lot at a private club. That's just a good way to make people mad. Yep. Um, I take my shoes, preferably in a little shoe bag if you have it. Um take my shoes and my clubs, I set them somewhere discreet or at the bag stand, and I immediately go and search at the pro shop. Yeah, and ask people. Don't be afraid. Hey, I'm a guest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Say, hey, I'm a guest today. Can you point me toward the pro shop? Yeah. I've done that many times. Yep. The pro shop, again, is equipped to handle these questions. Hey, I'm playing today with Ian Kreitzer. Um, Have you seen Ian today? Or has Ian arrived? They'll say yes or no, but... In every case, they'll say, hey, great to have you. Um, here's what I would do. I'd go change shoes in the locker room. The locker room's down to the right. Yeah. And then, um, you know, Billy down there will take your clubs or just roll some putts and I'll let Mr. Kreitzer know you're here. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. But it's awkward and weird if you just kind of wander the club. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and people like ask end like, up hey, in sir, the formal dining room, yeah. and then every or you end up some yeah, or let's say you just go straight to the locker room and just decide I'm going to sit in the locker room. That brings up some kind of awkwardness when the yeah. the locker room attendants like, uh, "Hello, sir, can I help you?" Right. It, it can all be a little uncomfortable. Right, especially for someone who's maybe visiting their first time. Uh, you know 
private club. Yeah. Who doesn't normally play private clubs and uh, and whatever. Just and again, it comes back to don't be afraid to ask somebody where to go and just say I'm a guest of you know whoever whoever your yep. your host is that day. So Ian, I'm at a private club for the first time. Maybe this is my first private club experience. Another question I get. What do I pay for? What can I pay for? What do I offer to pay for? What you, what my standard practice is, if you take a caddy, I usually offer to pay for my caddy and the and the, the host the, the caddy. caddy. Correct. Yeah. Um, normally, it's just easier for them to uh, if you have lunch or or dinner at the club. It's normally easier for them to put it on their their tab their member tab. Yeah, but uh, always offer to pay for that. As, as well. And, and, and even if you just offer and they say, oh, no, don't worry about it. That's correct. I'd say I'd say it's best practices to over offer to pay for something yeah. than to be like, oh, yeah, thanks. Yep. And your greens fees. Um, correct. Generally yeah. speaking, at private clubs, they're being charged to the member's account. Mm-hmm. If you pick up the members, uh, and obviously all of this comes down to the relationship you have with your host. Right. Um, and this changes everywhere you go and who you're, depending on who you're playing with. But um, generally speaking, your host will more than likely um, offer, hey, I've got your greens fee and lunch, and then you pick up golf. Yeah. But like you said, Ian, I would always offer. That ensures that you'll likely get a, another uh, offer to come back sometime. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and normally uh, when you're coordinating this, um, the people will tell you up front, hey, the guest fee is you know $80. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be taking caddies. Those will be this. And if they if they don't mention anything, then you you offer and you say, hey, like, what do I need to, what do I need to to uh, reimburse you for? And they say, oh, don't worry about it. I got you full ride. Yeah. Great. But if they'll usually they'll come back with something. So perfect. Ian, let's take a break to hear from our season sponsor and answer a few more questions when we get back. Sounds good. Okay. Jumping back into the questions now, um, I'm going to send it over to Ian. He's got a couple more. I have a couple more, and then we're going to wrap this episode up. Cool. Um, so we're going back to Scotland now. Okay? Perfect. And this is a perfect question for me to ask you because you know a lot more about it than I do. Um, first time going to Scotland, is the old course a must? If yes, what's the process like to get a tea time? I've also heard many first-timers say that they were underwhelmed. Okay. So I'm going to break this down a little bit. Um, is the old course a must? That's a personal question. I know some people who don't even want to go to Scotland if the old course isn't on the cards. Um, that's going to be different for everybody. I would say, generally speaking, it is an experience that um, every really avid golf travel traveler who is able should you know see the old course and experience right. the old course. Um, I'm going to jump a little bit and and then address the uh, underwhelming side. Right. Um, the old course is famously underwhelming. I mean, I, I forget who it was. Maybe Walter Hagen or Sam Snead. Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. He um, hated it at first. Well, yeah, he was taking the train into St. Andrews, and I might have the person wrong here, but it was taking the train into St. Andrews, which at the time went alongside the golf course. Right. And he looked out and someone said, you know, uh, you know, what, what do you think of the course? So it was some variation of this. And right. he said, you know, I, well, I can't wait to see it. And like the fields around here are very pretty. And he was looking at the old course right. and, you know, it just looked like fields out there. Yeah. Um, it can be underwhelming. Right. It's a little bit of a confusing place with huge wide fairways, big, big greens. 
you're not raised up above the ocean, so you have no ocean views. Um, you can go to a place like Kings Barnes or Castle Stewart and have a much more visually stimulating, visually impressive round. Yeah. Um, but the more you play the old course, the more the genius kind of reveals itself. And for those who are only playing the old course once in their life, I would suggest read quite a bit about the strategy of how to play the old mm-hmm. course because you'll then go in kind of looking for those things that make people love the course so much. Yeah, the I think if you, Yeah, if yeah. you go in kind of blind thinking, I cannot wait to have my socks blown off, you are going to leave a, a little... Um, underwhelmed. Underwhelmed because uh, the old course is kind of genius in its uh, subtle um, kind of strategies. Yeah. So I would say it's... it's uh, it's one of those things where um, it's worth playing 150%, but go in with the right expectations. Now, I'm, I'm actually not going to get into, sorry, whoever asked this question, but I'm not going to get into how to get a tee time on the old course. There's they, so many different ways they, to do they, it. They, that's a, a really, really big question, and we're actually going to do a separate podcast where we address the old course and St. Andrews. What I would say is, you can find some excellent articles um, on Google, you know, how to get a St. Andrews old course tee mm-hmm. time. You can also go to the St. Andrews Links website. Yep. And um, they have excellent information there. I'll just really quickly say you can either go with a tour operator who has guaranteed old course tee times. Mm-hmm. You can enter what's called the advanced ballot and try and uh, get your name drawn from a hat in. Um, August, late August, early September um, for the next year. Uh, You can do the daily ballot, which is 48 hours in advance, or you can line up really early in the morning as a single golfer. Like two or three in the morning. Like two or three in the morning and try and get out with a twosome or threesome. Yeah. Um, We'll go into more detail because they, I mean, I could explain all those things and and we might, you know, increase this episode size by 20 minutes. So look out for more on that. But if it's a really crucial thing where you need to know this week, I would uh, Google it, and there there are some really great resources out there. Definitely. Um, okay, staying in Scotland. A question I've received: Are the best courses in Scotland private? Now, if you're if you've only played golf in the states, then you would think, yeah, the best courses in the states largely are private. Right. That is not the case in Scotland. Totally different model. Totally, yeah. totally different. Um, many of the best courses, uh, I would say, prioritize their members. Um, I guess that would be a way to put it. Right. So a place like Muirfield, um, they only allow visitor play on Tuesday and Thursday mornings, but they allow visitor play on mm-hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays, and you can stay in the clubhouse and have lunch and make a whole day of it. And one of the most prestigious clubs One in of the, the most world. prestigious clubs in the world. And historic clubs, yeah. Yeah. Um, there are other places like Royal St. George's that do the same thing in England. Um, North Berwick, right near Muirfield, that does something similar. Royal Troon, something similar. And all of the days in which they offer visitor play mm-hmm. or allow visitor play, they differ from club to club. So I can't tell you, hey, it's always Tuesday mornings. Right. And many times at a place like Royal Troon, which is close to Presswick, two old prestigious clubs, they have planned it to where on the days you can't play Presswick, you can play Troon. Right. And so the, these clubs talk. But short answer, Scotland only has a couple courses that you can't play that are truly private. 
the ones you'd really want to play are all open to the public. Right. Some are 100% open every day. Others um, are Select limited. Days, yeah. um, Muirfield being one of the most limited and um, a place like, um, you know, the St. Andrew's New Course being potentially right. the most open. Right. Cool. Um, so let's see. We kind of, we already touched on caddies a little bit. This is this has an extra question added on, so I'll read the full thing and we can just address the second half of it. Yep. Um, it's my first time going to a resort that requires caddies or four caddies. What is the appropriate gratuity? Is there anyone else I should tip? So this that's a great yeah, the, yeah. tipping yeah that's a very good question right. I would say it depends on where you are. Correct. Um, the States has a uh, tipping culture where you would be expected to kind of tip the guy who cleans your clubs once you, you know, finish 18 and go back into the kind of the cart area. Right. A guy's going to clean your clubs and there probably is going to be kind of an expectation that you tip. Um, you know, we already talked about asking about caddies, mm-hmm. um, you know, gratuity and base rate, but um, I, we discussed this question a little bit. What would you do at a private club on the tipping front? Because private clubs are a little bit different. Um, so most private clubs uh, have websites, and they and you'll have their guest uh, their guest policies. Mm-hmm. So before your visit, I would go and check those out. Um, but if you can't find what you're looking for there, then I wouldn't. But wouldn't be hesitant to ask the member, your host member, or whoever's setting up the round for you. Um, because some clubs have a no tipping policy at all, uh, and then some are very uh, tip heavy. So yep. uh, generally, the bag room, uh, or sorry, the locker room guy, yeah, um, the attendant will, uh, you know, throw him a, a five dollar bill or, yep. or ten. Um, the guy that cleans your clubs, like you said, after the round, uh, and then a few, a handful of other uh, club employees at a tipping club. Uh, yep. I would say to have a have a five for for each one. I would say generally the the service roles. Yes, um, yes. you know you know you're, you're to the head the, pro. Yeah, the head pro or the assistant pro who's behind the counter. You're not going to give him a tip, but the guy who polished your shoes while you're out on the course. Yeah. Yes, um, always best to ask because you can get yourself in a funny. Even worse, you can get yourself and a member of staff kind of in a funny situation. Yeah. If you hand a $10 bill to the cart guy at a no-tipping club and a member sees, and then it, you know it's kind of a like, hey, Bob is having visitors tip him. Right. When, in fact, no, you just tried to tip Bob, and you really shouldn't have. Right, right. And so that's, again, best to ask, and that, situ- that asking situation is much less uncomfortable than, than the ensuing. Right, exactly. In a place like Scotland, there's much less of a tipping culture. Uh-huh. Um, although, because so many American golfers go over there, Americans often kind of are expected to, to tip more. Right. But at restaurants, I would tip 10 to 15%. Um, at, the, at the most. At yeah. the most, really. Um, then you have, uh, and I mean, 15% would be a pretty good tip, actually. So yeah. a caddy, you're going to give your caddy gratuity. Outside of that, there's not a real expectation that, that you're going to tip. Um, right. The the base wages are, they don't have anything like a tip to minimum wage like we do in mm-hmm. restaurants here. Um, so they, there's not really an expectation uh, they, to tip as much over there, unlike what you would find here in the States. Right. 
looking at my list, I, I think we've we've hit a lot of it. Um, there's, uh, I know you have a couple more, um, and then I'm going to end on one that will kind of roll into the conclusion. So cool. quick fire us your next few. Okay, so um, I had someone on Instagram ask, is it okay to bring the wife and kids to a place like Bandon, Cabot, or Streamsong if you're the only one golfing? Um, I would say, I would say yes, you can bring them, but there's not going to be a whole lot to do for them, unfortunately. Whereas a place like Pinehurst, where there's a town around it um, that they have activities to do, or even Sea Island, where they can hang out by the pool, or, or Kiowa, or Kiowa, yeah. Um, but a place like a, a strictly golf place like Bandon, Cabot, or Streamsong um, would be a little bit, a little bit tough. So maybe plan that with your buddies, um, and then bring the family to Pinehurst, Kiowa, Sea Island, etc. Yeah. I, I would say some of these golf only quote unquote resorts, yeah. like a Streamsong, they do have other amenities, correct? But they're not aimed at families so it's like skeet shooting and fly fishing yeah so unless your like six-year-old daughter and your wife want to go you know pigeon clay shooting clay pigeon shooting (laughs) uh you're gonna be they're they're not gonna be happy and then you're not gonna be very happy what i would also say is um many resorts would be fine with your wife um or significant other walking around with you yeah However, um, if you're a single golfer, you'll probably be paired up with a twosome or threesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't know what type of people those are, uh, what type of people you're being paired with. You don't know what their expectations are. So if you're paired up with kind of a rowdy threesome uh, that's looking to, like, pound you know, beers, pound and, beers yeah. play music, smoke cigars... And you're out there with like your two daughters and your wife walking, um, you do run the risk of kind of yeah. having an uncomfortable situation. Which is a really good point. And yeah. what I would say is, you know, try as best you can to ensure that there are things for your um, family to do while you're out playing golf. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, off of that, on that same topic, this actually, this is a different question from a different person, but it relates. Uh, what's the best way to book trips when you're traveling alone? So just like a single, um, which is something that that's tough. Yeah. That you and I have both done. Yeah. But it, it is, it makes it tough when you don't have a group with you and you're looking for, you know, you're not splitting a room with somebody and stuff it, like that. So what are your tips for that? Well, so here, here's what I would say. Most online booking systems don't allow you to book a tea time as a single. Correct. Um, you have to be a twosome, threesome or foursome. My recommendation to people, regardless of where you're going, is instead of booking it on an online booking system, call uh, the resort and explain your situation mm-hmm. and ask if they can slot you out with a twosome or threesome. Right. They're happy to do it. You know, those are oh, empty yeah. spots. Those are empty seats on the airplane, and the airplane's flying. No matter what. Whether those seats are filled or not. Yeah. They want to fill those up. They'll be happy to do it. However, they won't lock up an entire tea time for one person. Correct. Um, so I would call and see, you know, if they can work with you. Um, if you're traveling alone and you are the type of golfer who doesn't want to be paired up with anyone, you're going to have a really tough time. Yeah. And, and I would say, uh, train yourself to, <laughs> to enjoy playing with people. Exactly. I, I would totally agree with that. 
Um, okay, so I have one more, and then we can go okay. to Goody. Whereas this was kind of a funny one that came from a from a friend of mine actually um, okay. in Scotland. So another friend went to visit these guys and uh, and ordered. They were out at the pub, and he ordered a half pint, which no one really does in Scotland. If you're ordering a beer, you're ordering a full a full beer. So this guy asked, is it okay to order half pints while in Scotland? And this one goes to you, Tim. No, it's not okay. <laughs> order, 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 order a full pint or a Diet Coke if you're not drinking. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, there are kind of funny do's and don'ts. Right. Ordering the half pint, you'll get a hard time. I mean, no one's going to, like, refuse you service. It, but it'll, it'll be your buddies, like this guy's buddies, yeah, giving him a hard gonna time. You're going to get a hard time. Yeah. Or, as I've done in the past, or as I've been known to do in the past, I'll order, like, a shandy, which is... <laughs> Yeah, like uh, lager with like a splash of Sprite yeah. on the top. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, the bartender will say, you know, can I uh, give you a skirt with that? Or, you know, some, <laughs> some joke that is inappropriate. And, inappropriate um, for a clean podcast, yeah, a clean exactly. rated podcast. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> be, be prepared to, to take a little... A little hate for that. Shout out to Tim. It's all in good fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's end this with something. uh, I'm going to answer. You can answer. I'm not sure if you'll have anything off the top of your head. But I want to encourage all of our listeners to give their two cents um, to us via social media or by emailing at letters at linksmagazine.com. What golf travel gear should I not buy? So what I mean by that is you have played a lot at home, but you've never really gotten into golf travel. You're amped up for your first trip, and all of a sudden, every golf gadget, every little thing for golf travel seems like super exciting. And, and necessary. And everything feels necessary. Because yeah, you're like, well, I'm going to be lost without it. So. Correct. Correct. So what I would say is uh, don't go buy a hard shell travel case. No. The hard shell plastic um, travel bag. Um, those never fit in the trunks of cars. They don't collapse down, obviously, because they're a hard plastic shell. Right. Um, they are just tough to store. They're tough to travel with. They're tough on your shoulders. Go for a soft travel case. Yeah. Um, but do go for a travel case. Don't just put the rain hood on your bag. Because people have done that. People and have done that, and it does not protect your clubs, and you can end up with some serious damage to your equipment. And in dire situations, like I have been in before, when my car <laughs> dies 12 hours away from home and I have to take a flight back and don't have my travel gear, uh, go buy a box of extra strength uh, heavy duty trash bags and line, you know, put four or five on each side and, and duct tape it shut. Hopefully it gets home, but that is only in the most dire situations. I looked like I was wrapping up a body in the Home Depot parking lot. It was, I got some looks, but uh, that did happen one time. Um, but don't just put the rain hood on your on your bag and, and be like, oh, that's good enough because airlines are are ruthless with, with, uh, with bags. Agreed. Um, one thing I would say is I've been asked a lot about travel insurance, and this is another kind of personal question and depends whether you're, um, you know, w- whether you're risk averse or not, I've never purchased travel insurance. I um, I've spoken to a lot of people who who don't think it's a good choice. However, I've spoken to other people who do. Yeah. You know, this is insuring your trip, so if something happens, you're able to at least recoup some of the money you've spent. Exactly. Um, I spoke to someone recently whose uh, parents were um, both 
ill, um, you know, in the hospital mm-hmm. and, and they were trying to plan a Scotland trip and said, you know, this has just come up. I'm going to purchase travel insurance in case I've got to cancel everything and stay here with my mom and dad. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great case. But if you're just a perfectly healthy, you know, 26 year old guy or 36 or even 46 year old guy, however yeah. old you are, if you're healthy, um, I'm not convinced that, that it's a great uh, choice of money. Because it's expensive. Because yeah. it can be expensive. Yeah. Okay. What should you not buy if you're ramped up, amped up for your travel? Um, what's kind of a gimmick you wouldn't buy? And then we'll kick it out and, and ask the readers for their opinions. Um, that's a really good question. Uh I would say don't buy a big old golf bag um, that you can, that you feel like you need to put everything in, like the 14 slot, you know, yeah. whatever, uh, because you're like, oh, I'm gonna bring all my all my gadgets, and that being the, the and three dozen golf balls, right? Yeah. And I'd say, um, and we talked about this earlier, an umbrella is not necessary in either. Scotland, in Scotland, and Ireland, yeah, um, especially. It's so windy. It's like trying to play golf with a kite. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's gonna get ruined most likely. So I would say those are the ones that come to mind. I know you have some that you've thought about uh, more so than I have. So what would you well, not bring? Well, I'm gonna wrap it up there. I, I've got a couple others, but what we're gonna do is at the end of our episodes going forward, we're going to answer a reader question or if they're short, multiple reader questions. Right. So I'm going to save some of these for an upcoming episode. Okay. We want to hear from you guys what, you know, you're amped up. You've not done much golf travel before. You need to go out and you need to buy a travel case. Of all the other kind of travel gadgets, the Garmin watches, the range finders, you know, those aren't travel specific, but you're thinking I'm going to be playing courses I don't know. Yeah. What should you buy? What sh- More importantly for this question, what shouldn't you buy? Yeah. And um, if it's a good answer, we'll, uh, we'll read it on an upcoming episode. Perfect. Sounds good. Looking forward to continuing this, by the way, because these are a lot of, I'm sure... Um, these kind of get it, get the juices going with people uh, asking what they think are may, might be dumb questions, but we're happy to answer them and help out where we can. Yeah. Um, so send in those questions that you're embarrassed to, to ask publicly. Um, we will not reveal your name ever, so no, no worries. Yep. Uh, reach out to us. We're at Links Magazine everywhere on social media. You can email us at letters at linksmagazine.com. Um, subscribe to the e-newsletter. Um, it goes out twice a week. It's free and full of good content. Um, Links Digital is free. And yep. you can subscribe to our print magazine as well. It's our flagship product, and, and we're really proud of it. But, Ian, great talking today. I actually had a lot of fun. Um, it annoys me when people get piled on on social media. For just asking a For just question. asking a, a question yeah. because we all had to learn some way. you know. And that's and, not the way to learn. And, and No, no. In fact, I think that discourages people from wanting to get into golf, from wanting to explore more in golf travel. I agree. You know, if you think asking a, a relatively simple question is going to get you kind of slapped across the face, you're not going to ask any more questions. Or want to have any involvement with the game at all, which, exactly. which is not the end goal, uh, so. or, and it shouldn't be. So, Well, we'll do our best to combat that. Um, so, Ian, until next time, I've enjoyed it, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Sounds good. Send in your dumb questions, everybody. <laughs>